0: Okay, well, we've been going through Titus. Uh, We've done chapter one. So, uh, in a sort of conventional chronological approach, today we'll be dealing with chapter two. So, let's read it. Have we got it? This is the New King James Version, Titus chapter two. But as for you, this is Paul writing to Titus. Speak the things which are Proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperament, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine. Teacher, teachers of good things, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say to you. And it goes on and we'll, and we'll look at more of it in a moment. But I think what's striking as we sort of start to look at this text is how just different that is to what the world instructs us. You just don't hear any of those words anymore. No one's saying to behave this way. We've got, from the Word of God, this guide of how to be, how to live. And it's just radically different to anything that the world says. It's saying, be sober, be reverent in behaviour, not slanderous, not given to much wine. Be homemakers, be chaste and discreet. That, that's not around. That kind of conversation, that kind of instruction, you don't hear that in the world. But the thing is, this is instructions from the designer, I took my car in to get, uh, I got a notice that there was a product recall. So I had to go in, book it in and and take it in to get sorted. And I am just completely inept. Like I, first of all, I drove it to the wrong place. I went to the dealership. So I just pull up at the Subaru dealership and they're like, can you go away? I'm like parked in front of all the new cars. Like, I don't know where to go. And they're like, not here. Get out of here. (laughs) Like, So I found the like actual service center. And then like, I don't have... I booked it I got the letter but I I don't even have the vote like it's so I don't even know what to say I just walk up to the counter like um and they're just like what's your name sweetie I'm like Eleanor and they're like yeah okay we'll take it like I don't even I can't even remember what I'm there for like it's just some just this is my car and you told me to bring it here yes we'll come back in for it so I come back and I don't know like it could be a scam they don't It was working fine before, I was working fine after. But I give them the keys for four hours and I come back and then just get on with my life. I have no idea what they did or, or, you know. But they made the car, I just drive it. They told me that this needs to happen. So I'm like, sure, I don't have to pay anything. Like, it's none of my business what you do with my car. (laughs) But, you know, they made it. So it's like, yeah, go do do whatever you want to do. Like, if you made a car and you sold it to somebody... And then a week later, you saw them pushing the car in neutral just from behind, just pushing the car down the street. You'd be like, what? What's wrong? What happened? And they're like, oh, this actually works. I just, this is what I do. So I just put it in neutral and then I can just put the kids in and all the stuff in the car and then I can just, I just push it and it's fine. It, It works. And it's like, that's not how you're supposed to do it. That's not what do you do? That's not how we do it. No, look, I just, I, it's not as easy for everyone. I think this works fine for me. Like, this is just how I've, de- I've decided to do it. Okay, it doesn't, fine. Like, it works. Look, I'm pushing it along. Go, and then everyone started doing it. And it's like, well, everyone in my street does it. So I just p- load everything in and put the car in neutral. and put, It's actually faster. If you're going down a hill, you actually it's end up faster. Like, it's just, and everyone's doing, you're like, am I going crazy? And we've like turned on the ignition and we're cruising down the freeway because we're following instructions from the designer. That is how radically different the world's way of doing things is compared to what God calls us to do. And the results are that different. Honestly, they are. Sometimes I'm just, I can't believe how blessed things are. I'm like waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it's like, you know, yeah, we're tested and life's, you know, we're in an imperfect world and there's challenges, but there's, there's a, a level of blessed joy and ease, like I'm cruising down a freeway and I'm watching people pushing a car in neutral and it's like, do you, they told us how to use the car. Follow the, read the thing. Do, do it this way. This is what the Word of God tells us to do and how to behave we ought to listen and we ought to obey because why wouldn't we? This is how it works. And I'm telling you, this is how it works. And that's how you see people with these funny, twisted lives and twisted personalities because they've been told to be a certain way and take hold of a certain life that they weren't designed for. And it's like, well, everyone says I've got to hustle and do it this way. And it's like, why is that not working? So we, we've we got to stay in the word and 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 carefully obey the word of God as far as conduct for our lives. And if these words are jarring, if they feel like, whoa, like, wives, obey your husbands, be chaste, homemakers, not given too much wine, like, like, if this is like, feels different... We've got to make sure that we're in the word more than we're hearing influences from the world, so that the world sounds crazy and radical and the word feels right, that this is our base set, foundational standard for doing things. And when we hear the world, we go, whoa, not the other way around. You see what I'm saying? So what does it say? How do we behave? What does it tell us to do? Well, the very first thing is we get this breakdown of four categories it says, "Tell the older men to do this. Tell the older women to do this. The younger women and the younger men." Well, there's gender there, so um, that's in the Bible and that's that's nature. Moving on, um, and and then we've also got the ages. So we've kind of got these quadrants. So you know, it's very broken down: older men, older women. Like, so. Who's old? And who's young? Well, I'm 28. I am young. <laughs> my mum is in her 50s. She is old. <laughs> She's a grandmother. She's a good-looking, healthy old woman, but you are an old woman. <laughs> and I am a young woman. Although, I actually I had my first... I was with Keelan at the shops, and I went to do Apple Pay on the phone, and I... You know, you would click it, do the face ID, and then I turn it like that to pay on the thing. And Killen's like, why do you flip your phone around? And I'm like, "To." And he's like, you can just go like that. You don't have to... And I was like, this is what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> the young one telling me the stupid technology thing that I just did. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you could. Oh, yeah, cool. And just the look of like, like 15-year-old Keelan, like I'm like, Okay. I am paying for all the years of disdain that I helped my parents set up their thing, you know. Like, so, But I, I maintain that I am young and mum is old. <laughs> Sorry, it's not a thing. It's not part of the message. But So I, if we're doing the quadrants, if we're doing men, women, old, young, old above young, <laughs> let's put it about halfway, 45. If you're in the cusp, you know, it's apply, it all applies. I mean, it's all good. It's all the Word of God. But maybe you feel, I would say, you draw the line for yourself, but I, I would put it somewhere in the, in the 40s. But hey, it doesn't say old people suck. It's not like bad to be old. It's just that there are old and there are young. So you decide in your heart, you go away and you be with God and you just decide, are you old or are you young? Because the Bible's very clear. You are a man or a woman. You are old or you are young. <laughs> um. But it's all good, wise things for us to take into account. So let's have a look. Older men. <laughs> put your head, No, you don't have to. <laughs> Again, that's between you and God and your birth certificate. Um, so it says, older men, be sober, reverent, temperament, sound in faith, in love, in patience. We get this word sober quite a few times in this passage. It's, it's naifle or something like that. Clear minded, vigilant. You think about sobriety, there's a sharpness, you know? Someone that, because I was thinking about the, that within the context of old men, because you don't think of them as like sort of hysterical and emotional, like the sort of that kind of thing, but there's also that like stupor that you can get, you know, when someone's really drunk and they're just, and so it's like, no, be sober, be switched on and engaged, and don't just check out and retire and turn on ABC. Get engaged, get switched on. No, it's not a criticism. I listen to ABC. It's fine. I'm not having a dig at any. You know, whatever. New source, that's none of my business. That's not what this is about. Um, No, 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 but you hear what I'm saying. Be sober, be sharp. Don't be sort of numb and passive. Like that, you know, like be engaged and yeah, just that sharp sobriety. Like it's not about. It's just about being engaged with reality. That's for someone that's sober. It's like whether something's good or bad, it's it's real. You know what I mean? Like they laugh or they cry, but it's because it's real, not because you're drunk and you're just taken with emotion. Like there's a there's a leaning in, there's a sharpness, an awareness. Be reverent, sound in faith, in love, in patience. That love is agape, that's that godly love, which is so, isn't that just beautiful when you see an older man expressing that kind of warm, godly love. We, 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 we need men who are loving and expressing that love, you know, they don't all have to be huggers, I'm not much of a hugger, but however it is that you express love, make sure that you are expressing love, that you're in tune with the love of the Father for yourself and for each other. That's that agape love that we must have. Older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behaviour, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Interesting that it's the older women, he says, not given to much wine. Interesting. That's a potential vulnerability there. Teachers of good things. So there's there's something in the older generation that is called to teach the younger generation. That's in the Bible. That's in our design. And and. And older people, you know, I mean, I'm young. I don't want to give. <laughs> I don't have, you know, authority to tell older people what to do. But I'm preaching from the Word of God, right? This is just what the Word of God says. It says to to be teachers of good things. I'm young. I want to hear from wise, godly, loving people all the good things that they've seen and done and heard and learned. So teach those things and be open to that. And if you know. It's got to be in God because I think there's something in older people that want to teach the younger people something. So be a wise person that's got something valuable to teach them. You know what I mean? So it says to the older women to teach the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. So these are things that we are to be taught. These are things that we learn. They're not necessarily always easy and innate, like this idea of homemaking. Discreet. I mean, that's that's applicable to the young women of today. Like, discretion. Like, if in doubt, don't post that thing. Like, just, you don't have to share everything. You don't have to show it all off. Like, just be discreet. Be chaste. Be be homemakers. It says obedient to their own husbands. So that's that marriage design of wives submitting to their husbands. But it doesn't say young women submit to all men. And interestingly that Paul is telling Titus, you teach the older women this so that they may teach the younger women. So Titus is not instructed in this passage to teach the young women. It's like that's you help the older women make sure that that teaching is happening, but that's not for you to go over and tell all the young women how to be homemakers. You know what I mean? Like there's natural wisdom with who teaches who what, and that's what a community and a village looks like. You know that there's just people that you go to for advice for things and like I'm going to ask mom about cooking and not my dad cuz she's better at it you know what i mean like so there's just a natural a natural wisdom that comes when we're in a community and we're sharing wisdom with one another so I, the homemaking thing is just interesting because that that is just not valued in society at all it's just not you know as a young woman with the world speaking to me, it's just not something that people talk about. It's just all about, like, how to be a girl boss and, like, kill it in your career and, like, I'm into that, you know, I've worked hard and I I'm, I like it, have a career, but, you know, and we see in Proverbs 31, we see women working, so it's not, like, you know, be active in the workplace and but it's all the design and the emphasis in the word is in service to God and into your family, that that's the focus and the priority and when it comes to homemaking it's this beautiful thing that it's a calling it's not just a necessary evil get it out of the way like the world is like well you know you got you can't live in mess so you got to clean it up but just get it out of the way so you can get on with your real life what if homemaking is part of our real life what if this creating a space that is holy and peaceful and a, a sanctuary and a, a haven for our family to thrive what if that is actually part of our holy calling it is it's in the word so we have to make sure that our heart is in that place and the next time you're scrubbing dried banana off the wall like think about it from a place of this is this is part of my holy calling it's part of the design. Again, think about all these poor young women pushing Subarus in neutral up a hill and it's like, turn on the engine. What about homemaking? What about these things that we're all so called to that are that are so Because his yoke is easy, his burden is light. So it's not like, oh, I've I've got to be in in home, I have to just do all... It's like there's a joy and a, a pleasure when it comes to creating this space. And there's women of God in this room that know that. You're like, yes, I know that sense of satisfaction. I know that joy. And if you don't, we can find it in God. Because the more that we yield to our calling and to our design, the greater our satisfaction is in life, in all things. It's not just for, like, you know, American mummy bloggers. It's for all of us. And you find your own style in it, you know. Like, I don't wear an apron. <laughs> I'm not, like, you know, There's sort of, you, you find your own vibe with it. But, like, there's a real joy. I can just say this is the first year that I've spent just at home. I just had a baby at the start of the year. Like, it's a very dramatic change of pace to the way I was doing life before. I was working a lot and travelling and doing things. And... It's just such a joy. It's just—it's a real pleasure. God is in that house. You know what I'm saying? But it's something that we're taught. Because, again, the world is like, well, you know, if you're good at cooking or you like it, do it. But if you don't, then don't worry about it. But it's like, well, we can learn. I'm not, I'm not particularly a good cook, but I'm learning because I'm sort of told to. Like, that's – so how can we get that knowledge? Seek out the older women that are gifted. I love your home. How do you – how do you do it how do you what do you I ask people all the time what are you cooking for dinner tonight I'm just like I need ideas I have three meals what are you making and then they say I'm like oh no I couldn't do that but I'm I'm learning you know so so commit to learning that and commit to teaching that if that's part of your call that we uh, I just love the idea of this community that's just sharing these things and it's it's a delight it's a joy so young men, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. There's that word again. Switch on. Wake up, young men. Come on. You know what I mean? Don't be physically drunk. Don't be, don't be drunk. Don't be drunk. That's in the Bible. Young men, don't be drunk. But also spiritually and mentally, be sharp and sober and switched on and engaged. What is God saying for my life? What, what is God wanting to do with me? Lean into your calling and step it out and again we seek out this community of the older men and the older women like seek out the wisdom that's in your life because it's there for you to learn it says in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine showing integrity reverence incorruptibility sound speech that cannot be condemned sound speech for young men Let's do some elocution lessons. Enunciate young men. I don't know, I may be taking a leap here, but that's just my personal recommendation. Ladies like a guy that can actually articulate himself. So learn that if you want to or need to. Um, Integrity incorruptible. Set yourself up to be financially totally above board. Don't be dodgy. Don't be looking for loopholes. I mean... Learn to be savvy, but at the end of the day, make sure that your reflex is what's the honourable thing to do here? What's the... I love... Was it Martin talking the other day about I love to pay taxes? Like, was that you? That was so cool. I... Like... Why don't we feel that? Let's be good citizens that are like that is a pleasure that I get to to contribute to this society. What a I am so grateful that I get to live in a society that we all chip in and we drive on good roads and we all chip in and we send our kids to good schools and we all like that is a really good healthy culture. We are blessed. So don't constantly be jarred what's don't be dodgy. That's the word here. We we had a mate talk about young men and he's like oh, I've got this really good hack. Like I go, you know, Coles where you do the self-serve all the different nuts and stuff. And he's like, I get the power mix. It's like the $32 a kilo and it's got goji berries and I just get a big bag of that. And then I weigh it as just salted peanuts because that's like eight bucks a kilo. And then I get the stick and that's my, like, well, that's the stealing. It's the dumbest hack I've ever, oh, I've got a cool hack. You get a box of Wheat bix you put it in your backpack and you run out of the store. What a hack, like. What an idiot. I mean, we love him. We pray for him. But like, that's not a hack. Don't be dodgy. Be cooler than that. Pay for your goji berries. Come on, young men. Okay, and then the final is bond servants. Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Saviour in all things. So I think this is applicable to us with anyone who has authority over us. Our government, our teachers, our bosses, that our that we honor that position that they hold, the position of authority and that we aim to please. Says so to be well-pleasing in all things. That again our our reflex, our nature, our goal is to please authority. And again, we go back to this idea of design. It's a it's just a more satisfying way to live, you know? And I was raised like this. Honour the position. I remember Dad, I got in trouble because I was too critical of our national anthem. Like, (laughs) because I was talking about the New Zealand anthem and it's just beautiful and then I was sort of having a go at the Australian anthem and then I just got a bit too cynical and Dad was like, that's our anthem. And it was like, yeah, we honour. But seriously, like, and you can still have your own political views and you can look at a boss who's not good and deal with that and you're not just blindly, you know... But the people in the context here were being oppressed by their government. They were being locked up for being Christians and all kinds of stuff. They were being martyred. And he's saying, honor authority. So I think we can too if we don't really like the latest sort of budget that came out or whatever. We honor authority. We pray for our leaders. But that when you position your heart in that place, it feels better because it's how we were designed to live. It's just healthier. It's just better with our bosses, our teachers that our reflex and our nature is to honor the position. You know, people are flawed. Vote for whoever you want. <laughs> but but still there's a sense of we honor authority. And and we raise our children to do that as well. And I think that that is a very weird thing that the world's got going on now with like teach your kids to question everything and rebel and That's just not in the Bible. That's not how we're told to raise our children. And it's not healthy for them. I saw a baby's book. It's a board book. So it's literally for babies called A is for Activist. Talk about pressure. I wanted to just like go and eat grass and hang out in the backyard. You don't have to be an activist. Like poor old Greta. Like this is not, this is not how the, God is not telling us to raise our kids that way. So let's not, we don't have to do that. Honor authority. That's what the word says. So let's follow the instructions and do that. And so, yeah, all throughout this this passage, we get this sense of be cool, keep it together, be sober, be reverent be and that again, that emphasis is not in the world. The world is like find out who you are, and then express it with all your might, and if you feel something, get it out there and share it and like the 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 word of God is there's a place of course to i mean David poured his heart out in the psalms, but he poured his heart out to God. Like, cast your cares upon the Lord, but there's a sense of we keep it together. And as we, and it's, it's not about just suppressing pain. It's, it, there's a, we're empowered to do that through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. I, you know, this idea about venting, I think it's good in relationships to share things and comfort one another. But again, that's not emphasised in the Bible a lot. I know for me personally... The idea of venting is not, it doesn't work for me because I paint such a vivid word picture that the problem is so much bigger than when I started venting that I just worked myself. I just, I don't vent because I, I can't. I, I prophesy into the problem in a way that is terrible for me and my entire family and everything in my life. So I don't vent. I take it to God and I get of word and a verse and of spiritual position for a problem. And then I can talk about it. But I need that foundation because I... So know who you are. You know, some people, they can get it off their chest and then it's actually off their chest. Do whatever you got to do. But there's a certain sense of keep it together in this passage that is godly. I was thinking about old women who were like this and people that had that kind of temperament. And I thought about Mother Teresa because... It may seem sort of like a cliche, like, well, that's a bit of a cliche for a good person. But I, you know, I'm a Protestant girl. I don't actually know very much about her. So I looked about Mother Teresa. She was Albanian. She was, and some of you are like, oh my goodness, we know about her. But I feel like some of the young people don't really. So nevertheless, it's a great life. She was a nun in Calcutta. She felt God calling her to leave the convent and help the poor while living among them. She said it was an order. To fail would have been to break the faith. She spent several months receiving medical training at a holy family hospital and then she ventured into the slums. And that first year was fraught with difficulty, doubt, loneliness and hardship. She wrote this in her diary. Today I learned a good lesson. The poverty of the poor must be so hard for them. While looking for a home, I walked and walked till my arms and legs ached. Excuse me. I thought how much they must ache in body and soul looking for a home for food and health. Then the comfort of my former con- convent came to tempt me. You only have to say the word and all that will be yours again. Go back to the comfort. The tempter kept on saying to me, of free choice, my God, and out of love for you, I desire to remain and do whatever be your holy will in my regard. I did not let a single tear come. So there's a moment of someone who could just totally give in to like, oh, it was so hard, oh, the slums, and go back to the convent. And wow, Mother Teresa had that one year where she was in the slums, and then she just—it was so full on, and she, she didn't let a single tear come. She committed to the call of God on her life. In 48, she founded her first school. In 1950, she started the Missionaries of Charity, which still exists today, the organization. 52 opened the first hospice. 1955, they opened a home for orphans and homeless youth. In the 60s, they began opening hospices, orphanages and leper houses throughout India. In 65, they opened one in Venezuela and then more around Europe in the 60s. By 2007, the Missionaries of Charity operate 600 missions, schools and shelters in 120 countries around the world, serving the poorest of the poor. And I just wonder if she'd given in to that emotion and pain and hardship at the beginning of her call How much of this would have come? She just stayed close to God and she held it together. And it's not, even as I'm saying this, it feels like, oh, but, you know, it's good. It's like there's a holiness in that. We don't have to always give in to what's going on around us. We go to God. We go higher. We go, we seek his word for our life. And she felt his call. So she stayed on track. And look what she did. Because the thing is, church, there is work to be done. In verse 14, it says Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So when our hearts and our minds are sober, when we are temperament and reverent and then we can be zealous for good works. We're not just weird and boring and dull. We are energetic and passionate about the things of God. Zealous for good works. That's a woman who was not just like, oh, we'll serve the poor in one you know, small little space and that's also great. But she, there was an energy about her because look what she did. You see what I'm saying? There's a, there's a zealous enthusiasm that we can embrace when we're in God. When we're experiencing his Holy Spirit for our life, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. His grace empowers us to live this way. It's not our own strength. You can technically just suppress everything you're feeling and march through your calling, but that's not what this is about. This is a grace from God that has appeared to all men. He's here. Jesus is alive and he's here and it's a pleasure and a joy to serve him and to be zealous for good works. I just, I couldn't stop thinking about that this week. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. He's appeared and yet how many people just don't acknowledge it? How many people are still waiting for a breakthrough, for something to appear? It's like hosting a surprise party and the person whose birthday it is has arrived and you're still like hiding under the couch in the dark like, happy birthday, when will they come? And it's like, I'm here, I already came, you missed it. I'm... He's here, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Jesus is here and he is alive and what a joy it is to serve him. What a joy it is to be yielded to the word of God and to commit to this way of life because it is, it's, it's, the way, it's the way to do it. The the very first and the very last sentence of this chapter says, speak of these things. And then it goes into the, the passage and then it says it again at the end. Speak of these things. This is what we're called to talk about. This is what we're called to focus on. To pull each other up, to be aware of these different phases of life and different people and where are you at and what are you making for dinner and show me this and teach me this and and speak of these things. There's a lot of chatter going on. There's a lot. We're communicating more than we ever have before. But let's speak about these things. Because this is how we stay on track. It's like the swimming lane ropes. Like um I, had to do, I used to do swimming lessons and then we had to do squad for a few summers, which I just hated. Any time I had to do any exercise as a teenager, I just hated it. And so I would get in the pool and then, you know, you have to do the squad swimming laps and I would get to sort of the middle of the pool where I felt like the instructors on either end couldn't see me, although, of course, I realised now they could. And then I would just grab the lane and pull myself along and then grab the lane and pull myself along. And then that's my little break that I would give myself. And then the start and the end I would... But like, which is this is the dumbest thing ever, but whatever. That's how I used to swim. I'm quite, I'm fine now. I can swim, but that that's how we stay on track. That's how this word we keep coming back here. This is our foundational response. How, if something feels funky, how do we do this? What's the best? How should I behave in this situation? How, what's my move here? We come back here. This is our guide, speak of these things. This is how we live because this is the instruction manual from the designer. And when we do this, we, it's like we turn on the ignition and we just fly down the freeway. It's so much better. This is, this is it, church. Thank you, Lord. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This is the fuel. We are zealous for good works. This is the fuel. This is how we do it. We know what to do through the word and we know how to do it through the Word, through Jesus, alive in us. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, that you sent your Son, Jesus, that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And we thank you that you sent instructions. So we commit to living life your way. Because we know it's better. We know that it works. I thank you that you bless everybody here and that you bless us this week to live out the life that you have designed for us, to be the people that you have designed for us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Amen.